Hello, guys. We have a very special episode for you. We had the amazing opportunity to interview Amina Akhtar and discuss her book, Almost Surely Dead, the newest book out of Mindy's Book Studio. We spoke about the struggles of living remote, on how some of her real-life experience influenced parts of the book, and on who was her inspiration for the character Jamal. Without further ado, Amina Akhtar. I guess we already asked how are you doing today, but I see you currently reside in Arizona. And I know we just talked about beans, but I also saw that you have some other writing buddies, some pigs or hogs. Okay. So in Arizona there, and I think they're also in New Mexico and Texas, but I lived in that part of Texas. I've never seen them. They're called javelinas and they are these pig like creatures. They're not actually pigs, but they're like related. And I live on a mountain in, you know, in a national forest. So we're actually in forest land. And there's just wild animals all over the place, which is really um, weird and cool. But also they will literally walk up to me because I like to put birdseed out for the birds because, you know, birds fly south. They all come here. So I'm like, well, let me feed you birdies. And these javelinas love birdseed. They love it. And I'm like, listen, that's not for you. I have (laughs) tried to scare them away. I have tried to be like, let me put the birdseed up higher, all these trays. And they broke the trays. Like there's just no fighting them anymore. And so now I'm like, take your birdseed. It's fine. Um, but they have little babies right now. And so there's two little babies that run around and I'm just like, oh my God, you're like baby murder pigs. Cause they're, they're very mean. Yeah, <laughs> so I call them yeah, murder pigs, but they're like the cutest baby murder pigs I've ever seen. No, I feel like I love following your stories and seeing you post about them. So that's why I was like, we have to talk about them because they're so cute. <laughs> Somebody asked me who I do, who my audience is for my Instagram. Cause everything I put up there on, I'm like, me that's my life i just have weird yeah. stuff around me like i just am sharing it because i think it's hilarious and weird and you know but, so we have those and we have the coyotes who like to come hang out on the patio also for bird seed i have vegan coyotes who really really love bird seed um so everyone just kind of hangs out on our patio except for us because if we can't go out there now you know there's just so many animals that we're like hi these are really mean like yes, these are these are the kind of animals that you don't want to run into because they will kill your dog. Like they're just they're just mean. But for some reason they've gotcha. decided I'm birdseed lady. So when I'm walking my dog, they'll come running up to me and being like birdseed, and I'm like, can't be near me. And then I'm like, I'm arguing with javelinas. I guess yes. this is silly. What am I doing? Um, and I'm a former New Yorker, in case you can't tell by my voice. So I was like this is weird yeah they're not the you know the pigeons that you see no (laughs) no no i miss those pigeons (laughs) they're a lot nicer um but i do want to dive into so like our january book pick which was um the almost surely dead book which we loved we absolutely oh thank you and yes yes exactly (laughs) honestly i wrote this book and i'm like no one's gonna read it this is too weird i don't know what i'm doing and then people were like we love it and i was like you guys are playing a prank what's going on <laughs> but people, yeah. people are really you know it's just, I, I find that it's those books that you you've zero idea how it's going to be received that end up people enjoying it and i was just like this is wild all right I'm, I'm i'm excited but it's wild no i mean we loved it and i will say i'm not huge into like murder mysteries because i'm too easily scared by everything so but i loved it i, I hope you it i so hope it didn't good. give you nightmares I hope it didn't give you nightmares because I heard this book did and I was like, I'm sorry. I 
I'm weird. But I'm... I feel like that's a credit to your writing. Maybe. Though. Like that just shows how good you are. We have to. We have to be honest. She did call me at like three a.m. You know, talking about walking smoke. No. So she's like, I woke up outside my bedroom. I don't know what happened. Yeah. Like, yeah. I started sleepwalking after this, but it's okay. Listen, I still sleepwalk, so that's why in there is I actually sleepwalk a lot. Not a lot, but like I'll wake up. I'll wake up in a different part of my room. I'll wake up with the lights on, okay. you know, so I do the, I, I annoy my poor dog to no end because she always wakes up and is like, again, um, and I just do really yeah. stupid things, you know, like changing my clothes, you know, there's really no rhyme or reason to what I do. Um, and part of this book happened because I was in this apartment. I always had all my, all my New York characters in the same apartment. I don't know why. And it was this apartment I had on 89th and 1st, and I swear to God it was haunted. And I was sleepwalking every single night like Dunya was. And I would there I would wake up knowing that there's something in my apartment that shouldn't be there. And so that was like the beginning of this story. Cause I was like, okay, I need to use this at some point because that was weird. Yeah. So that's that's where my sleepwalking stories come from. And I was going to ask you too, because given you're, you've written three books, this is your third book. And I, I feel like each of them kind of has an element of who you are because you had the fashion in the first book. Then you had the kind of moving Arizona. from New York to yep. Arizona in the second book. And then I was curious to know if you felt like this was one of your most personal books. Oh yeah. I- it's like, it's totally like <laughs> my dad's lullabies and bedtime stories were about gin. For us um i mentioned the acknowledgements he when i was four he uh <clears throat> he had us watch the exorcist and i was four <laughs> and, i did see that yeah. and you know i'm obviously horrified and then my older brother being an older brother was like you know it's a true story right and, which is like mind-blowing and my dad's response was yes but i know how to do an exorcism you'll be fine and i'm like why why would you say that to a child? I don't even understand. So he's a really funny, weird guy. Uh, I live with him in Arizona. We hang out and we're buddies now. And like I, a lot of the gin stuff came from him because we have a lot of gin. So for us, gin are, there's no doubt that they're real. Like everyone I know in my family and every Pakistani person I know, and I'm not saying all Pakistanis, I'm saying the ones that I know because I don't want someone to get mad that I said this, um, absolutely believe in gin. Like they are legit things and they're just part of life and we have all these stories about like my great 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 grandfathers working with gin and gin in the house and like that my dad grew up in so i was like i really want to do a story about the gin um but i didn't want to go full fantasy or full horror you know i kind of wanted it to be i don't know i feel like when you're being haunted it's not going to be like you know poltergeist and all these things are flying around it's going to be these little things that you're going to be like the heck was that you know so i wanted it to be like is she haunted or is she just losing her mind we don't really know maybe it's both you know well i gotta tell you we <laughs> both had such different like we ways a little oh, okay we did because we read it so differently from each other no I but like in a good i love way. it like, it no, was like it. We're, we're like who's really right to me i saw it as both like i felt like you saw from the podcast perspective of they're like we kind of see where you're coming from like maybe it could be hauntings but like okay how did she really like what really happened like, like we can kind of acknowledge it but like it's not really the right. case whereas you were like no like it is all the way <laughs> well no well, i said i agree with her in the idea that through the podcast lens you only get so much information so and also like i said in the day it's like there was real life consequences for a lot of these characters but 
we know as we're like going along with the story like you know what actually is going on so that's why i said yeah. i can see both sides. yeah i like i like using the podcast to like kind of set her up as like she's an unreliable narrator and she doesn't mean to be these are you know this is what she sees through her her lens you know um and so having these other characters be like actually what really happened is this you know and you're like oh um personally i think she is fully haunted um Baba was my boogeyman as a child. <laughs> so I literally had this boogeyman. When, when I was a baby, I'm like a toddler. Some, I think we'd gone to Pakistan and some strange man we didn't know was very tall and slender with a beard had picked me up and thrown me in the air and I was horrified. I was just like, the heck you doing, sir? Um, and he looked a lot like the Ayatollah Khomeini. So every time the Ayatollah was on TV, I would run screaming because that was Baba. So, yeah, Jimmy Bob was also my boogeyman and hers. But, you know, you don't realize that at the beginning that, that he's, you know, to me, I'm like writing it. I'm like, they're all going to see it so obvious, but whatever. Because you, you don't know how people are going to, you know, react to things. So it's, I'm always just like, is this obvious? I don't know. Let me stick him in there. So. Well, if I, if, for the record, when I was reading this, I kept like, I had like a little sheet oh of God. paper and I was like writing down each person and I'm like, okay. Wow. <laughs> I'm like, they're kind of suspect. They're all su oh. Everyone is suspect. Everyone is a suspect. I had a friend who told me, he's like, you know, in your books, you have a trope where the over-interested white friend is always dangerous. <laughs> I was like, oh, I better, I better, I better change that uh, for the next one. So, so people don't guess it right away uh but I was like yeah that's actually kind of true I do so <laughs> sorry white friends no it's okay but I was laughing because I was like as soon as she was doing like you know when she had the cameras and then when she had a copy of her key I'm like oh no 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 like you're getting way too invested mm -hmm. here <laughs> you're way too much she's like I based her on my friend Liz Little the writer but like as the the antithesis of her so, because Liz is awesome and super chill, and then I was like, I just want the name Liz Small, and it's going to be you, but not you, okay? She was like, go for it. Yeah. No, I I mean, I really was. I was trying to keep track. And at one point I did, I was like, okay, I think Bubba might not be real. And then the one that really got me that I felt like I was on the track was um, with, I don't know if I'm going to say it correctly, um, Adnan. Adnan, like, yeah. When she was talking to him, I was like, oh, I think. Anon, I was like, I think, I don't think he's real. I think that he might be dead. And I was like, I was like very convinced. And then I felt better as I was going through. I'm like, okay. And it, it's, it's funny because Jamal, was, and I'm going to get in so much trouble from this, uh, from family is um, Jamal's a cousin I hate. And I wanted him to know that I murdered him in a book. So I didn't even change the name. I was like, I didn't like you. You're going to die in this book. I hope you know that I enjoyed murdering you. Cheers. That is so funny. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah. I was gonna say you made me hate a child. Yeah. I'm reading this book. I was yeah. like, this kid is the you worst. The worst. Well, I find that sometimes busy kids are a little poorly behaved in, in my experience. But you know, like growing up as one, we were all brats. So we've been so excited to talk to you about the book and I have a thousand Go more questions. It. But just to bring us back, I wanted to ask, what was it like to get we know sometimes it's not an actual call from Mindy, but yeah. to find out that you're going to be a part of her input. I was shocked at first. Well, so my editor for Thomas and Mercer works, is also the editor at, at Mindy's book studio. So she had been wanting to get me in with Mindy. Um, the first book, Kismet, the timing didn't work because it was coming out before I think she had launched or right, like right when. So 
I was like, okay, that's fine. And then they were like, she loves it. And I thought this book was so insane that they that they were gonna be like, listen, no, you know. So I was like, I was like, you're joking. That's a joke. She does this is this is a weird book, guys. And they're like, no, she thought it was great. And I just to this day, I'm still just like, this is a joke. This is a really big prank everyone's putting on me, and that's fine. I'm gonna go along with it, but you know, it's like somebody of Mindy's caliber, you know. And you're like, oh. I mean, I think it kind of makes sense, too, especially because, like, after she did the Velma series and, like, kind of delving into that murder mystery a little bit, too, like, I, I feel like it kind of matches that realm of, like, wanting to solve these crimes. Yeah. And See, I don't necessarily enjoy solving crime. For me, I enjoy murdering. So I really like <laughs> um, just killing people in books. It's very cathartic. You know, like, my first book was, it's more like, um, it's basically I murdered everybody in the fashion industry who annoyed me. And it felt really, really great to write. You know, it was awesome. <laughs> so for me, it's less, less, yeah, it's less, let's solve this and more, oh, how can I make this the funniest murder possible? <laughs> you know? I so that. I guess if you do another book where you like murder interviewers, we shouldn't <laughs> take it personally. We, well, one podcaster did die. It does die, I think. Like, there's a brief mention. That, that is true. true. Because they were so annoying that I was like, uh I have to. I was just going to ask because I was going to say you did such a great job with like the murder mystery like podcast vibe and the idea of like promo codes. I was going to say, do you listen to no, uh, murder podcasts no. yourself? I think or? that there are really great, there are great, I'm not weird, but I know, I know women are supposed to be like, I relax to true crime. I don't, I don't, I will, you know, I think about enough murder, I think, as it is. I don't, I, maybe I'll watch, watch something for pointers, like, oh, but usually, I, you you know, if I watch a Dateline or something, I'm like, oh, I know exactly who did it within the first five minutes, and it's boring, you know? Um, I find that true crime is really questionable at this point, because while there are some amazing true crime podcasters like Robbie Childry or Catherine Townsend, who are legitimately trying to solve cases and help help everybody involved, you know, the, the victims and everybody, uh, there's a lot of people out there who are just using it for entertainment. And I think there's a question of who owns the story now, you know, and like, what are your motives? And in my book, the, the women podcasters are not genuine and they're not there to help Dunya. They just want their Netflix deal, which, you know, good for them. But I don't think that's their motivations are, are that good. No, absolutely. I mean, and that was a question I had, too, because it was very interesting to see the perspectives in this book and also kind of shedding light onto that. Like we don't want to um, shed light onto like, I mean, can you imagine like you're murdered and they're going through yeah. and, they're and they're doing it for, and they're, they're like, no spoilers, you know, and like Kendra has to be like spoilers. This yeah. is her life. This is not a movie. Like, what are you talking about? Um, and I, I do think that we need to kind of, not have rules but like there needs to be some kind of ethics involved in, in in these kinds of podcasts well yeah no i thought you brought up a good point i was going to say kendra also i felt like said that when she said stop speaking to her in like the past heads i love kendra <laughs> i i have so i rewrite i'm one of those weird writers who rewrites every version i don't know why i do this and i think in some versions kendra was getting kidnapped all these things were and i was like yeah, no, no, let's back up let's let more kendra alone she's dealing with these two crazy friends 
you know, and she blames herself for all of it. Let's just, let's just give her a poor break. Gotta love her. I wish her beauty line were real. I know, right? No, I loved her too. And I also wanted to point out some of like the quotes I liked from the book too, which was one was, I was single now and fantasies were the safest place to date or safest way to date. I was like, "Mm -hmm, this world is a little scary. Especially like New York painting is a level of hell that I don't wish upon anybody, male or female, yeah. you know, gay or straight. It sucks. It sucks there. Yeah. And I also just loved the, um, cause I always get teased, like the idea of living in a building with a doorman. I was like, yeah. mm-hmm. yeah. it's important. Listen, it makes life a lot easier. I became spoiled. I got my door and like, but sometimes you can go on like the Upper East Side and like the eighties or the nineties and it's cheap. Like it, or it used to be, like you used to be able to get a decent like studio or one bedroom there for way less than Brooklyn, you know, and then like, well, that would be like a crappy walk-up. So it was like, oh, yes, I have a doorman, please. <laughs> safety first, you guys. Exactly. Especially when you're reading these types of stories, you're like, I yes, need safety. you need somebody to between you and, and people coming to murder you, you know? I also so. had a theory and I was curious about that I wanted to talk to you. Um... So I really liked learning also about, like, Romney um, Kala. Romney Kala, yeah. I wanted to, like, dive into her story more, too. Like, mm-hmm. I was really curious, like, you know, was she the person who maybe would have been able to solve, no, like, the gym? No, for, for me, it was she – she's sort of based on an aunt I have that um, she was – she's I, – I don't know if she's um, – if she is disabled. I don't know her exact – um issue i i I haven't seen her in like 30 years but when she was 14 they basically married her off before anybody realized that she wasn't all there and all competent so the only times i've interacted with her would be you know her just saying my name over and over and it used to really really freak me out but to you know there are things that just families don't talk about like our families don't talk about mental health issues they don't talk about what happens to this person? So she, she's what we call a boggle, a crazy person. And you know, for five-year-old Dunya to have the fear of being a boggle and being sort of ostracized, I think, was kind of sad. But also, it is something that, like, I, I can imagine her dealing with because you know, I was a five-year-old sleepwalker too. You know, like, I used, I, I used to wake up my sister every single night, standing at her bed, watching her, and like. That is the weirdest thing. You don't want a toddler doing that. That is just creepy. So I was that weirdo child doing all these things. Um, and so I, I just wanted her to have this frame of reference that she doesn't want to be like this other person because how she's been treated, she's, you know, stuck in a loony bin somewhere. Uh, nobody's seen her. And, you know, she's kind of held up as don't, don't be like this person. Um, and there's a lot of comparison in our family. It's like, they're like, oh, you should be more like so-and-so or don't be like this. Don't be like so-and-so, you know? So there's a lot of that pressure to what the family wants you to be, you know? Yeah. I was going to say, I thought there should have been a trigger warning place at the beginning of this book, just because I found myself going through like so many things, just, I guess, culturally and the idea of like the colorism and other things like that, where I was just like, the colorism I book and I, I, Anytime I have a Desi character, I put colorism in because it is such a huge part of our lives. Like, even now, like, my dad was, like, recently was like, oh, your mom would be so excited about how pale you are. And I'm like, really? We're going to do that still? You know? And I, like, I have a niece and I really am trying to make sure we don't perpetuate this trauma onto her where she doesn't like her skin tone because it's too light or too dark or whatever. And I've caught myself. 
at times being like, I can't some block. And then I'm like, ah, you're fine. Go do whatever you want. You know, like, I don't want that going to that next generation. I think um, for us, it's a, a lot of it is the, my mother was really pale. My father was pretty dark and we were all varying shades. And when I would come home from school from New York, cause I went to NYU, I would be so pale from no sunlight and my mom loved it. And it was just such a mind trip to, you know, have to really think about, am I pale enough right now, you know? Well, and I actually, that was the other thing I thought was interesting about this book is you kind of talk about generational trauma in a different way too, because, you know, she's dealing with the gin because of, yeah. her mom, you know, a, a new level of generational trauma. I feel like I, if you are lucky enough to have good parents and not, not everybody has happy, good parents, I understood. Um, there comes a point as an adult where you're like, oh my God, my parents are right. And it's, and especially if you're an immigrant kid and you're like, oh God, they are right. That's weird. And I kind of wanted her to have this moment where she has, where she finally learns who her mom is, you know, has this redemption arc where she can now maybe offer her mom a little bit of grace, you know? And I think um, a lot of us have to do that. I have to do that. I still do it with my, my dad, you know, I always like, let me give him a little bit of grace because you forget that they were our age when they were having kids and, and you know, older. And it was like, I'm not put together enough to have a child and I'm 46. Like, I don't know how they did it, you know, when they were 25, you know? So I feel like I wanted her to have this really, this redemption arc with her mom. Um, and I also wanted it to be like, okay, how can I make this arc happen without it being like, oh, the religion is crazy. And like, I didn't want to diss things. I didn't want to diss people's religion. I didn't want to make it, oh, she's such a crazy nut. No, it was like, this is a real thing that happened to her. And, so, you know, th this is why it's impacted Dunya, and now Dunya can understand that and hopefully move on. No, I mean, I thought it was beautiful because to me, I, I, I saw it exactly like that. Like she, she thought her mom hated her when really she loved her so much she wanted to protect her and just didn't know the yeah. best way to do it. Because, I mean, who would? <laughs> who would know how to protect somebody from a supernatural yeah. entity? I don't know. I was going to say also I found myself so many times like wanting to scream and yell just because – I just hate it. The microaggressions, man. I my I, I fill my books in microaggressions because I, I, I don't I don't necessarily like make everything about race, but like if you are brown or black in this country, you are dealing with microaggressions every single day, especially at work, and it is annoying. It sucks. So I like to make sure my characters deal with it. And also I like to make it it makes me laugh. I'm not gonna lie i love stories stuff like that because i find it hilarious because it's all based in truth you know it's like laugh through the pain it's fun but yeah there's definitely touching upon that or like when they're like done yeah and she's like that cilantro guy <laughs> so yeah i also just wanted to say too i know mindy has said in a recent interview that one of the reasons she's most excited to launch the imprint with amazon publishing was that this idea like the powerful and entertaining stories could then find a second yeah. life on screen would you ever want to see oh, this yeah. story um like as a short series I, or a movie I'm, I'm, what do you envision i always joke that getting your book options is, is basically how you pay your rent you know what i mean because that's where the money comes um and and i've had um my first two books have been optioned the first one a couple times it just yeah it, you have to find the right people the vision and the timing the strikes definitely killed something from the project. So it's sort of like, let's let's keep going. I think we haven't fully gone out with this one yet, but we will. And fingers crossed, it gets made. I'm like, can somebody get it to Monkey Paw Productions? Let's get 
Jordan to look at it. Fingers crossed. <laughs> um, that would be cool. <laughs> I wouldn't say no to that. No, I love I love people putting stuff into, into movies or films or or TV shows because you get an audience. Not everybody's a reader, and that's fair. You know, I was a book nerd. I grew up reading. It's it's my my jam. So, but not everybody is. And you know, if you want to tell this story in a different medium, do it. Let's let's make it work. Yeah, we were speaking a little bit about it before the interview, and I was saying I would love for it to be a series because I would like for it to like mm-hmm. pop between episodes of like the podcast. Have you actually present day when the, the I, when I guess it comes out this this coming week? Um, when the the audio book has actual podcast segments on it, where they made it sound like an actual audio book. Uh, actual podcast with like the music and the introduction it's amazing they did such a good job oh that's awesome no I'll definitely have to listen again to it too because like I I mean I love reading yeah. so I, I enjoyed it and I'm also a physical book reader so I love to like actually flip through pages I I don't ever listen to audiobooks but I respect anyone who wants to reading is reading I don't care how you do it you know um but I love the the, the effort that they went to for this it's just it's so much fun I was also curious, will there be like a sequel to this book in terms of like finding out if ever like beats like Baba? Like I would be very curious to know like if and how she does. There might be. I'm I'm, I'm sort of waiting. I, I think we're waiting to see if there is um, an audience that people want it. And then I can have a chat with Amazon. I think we've already talked about maybe doing something but we're kind of waiting to see what the response is from others i definitely love dunia you know dunia and zabir i just i love them so i'm like let me let me think about it uh i'm working on my next book now but i also don't mind taking a break and diving back into creepiness you know (laughs) and how has that transition been between doing like you know, you started in more of like the Vogue and L world where you're doing these shorter, like nonfiction pieces. Now, like you're doing, you know, three, four novels. <laughs> it's wild. It's wild. It's like when I first started writing Fashion Victim, I, um, I got laid off. So I started a Vogue in 1999 just to date myself. So I was there when Lauren wrote Devil Wears Prada and I was the second in command's assistant and she was Anna's assistant. Um, so that's how far back I was in the, in the fashion world. And then we web happened and you know, what's really happened is media companies haven't figured out how to make money off the web, right? So they just keep losing money and losing money and it's, it's kind of crazy. So there's always these crazy layoffs. So I had gotten laid off at, from L and it was a public layoff in the sense that I had tweeted, just got laid off, anyone hiring? <laughs> and it went viral at the time. And I was like, oh my God. And my mom had just died. So I was in this weird headspace of like, the heck am I doing? Like, I, I don't know what to do with my, I don't have my mom anymore. I don't have my career right now. What, like, what am I doing with myself? And I thought, well, why don't you just sit down and work on that book you've been thinking about forever and you haven't ever written? Because what else are you doing with your life? And I was like, that's a fair point. So I literally sat down for a year and wrote. And it was very challenging because I was used, like you said, to writing these shorter pieces for online, you know. So I would literally do 500 words at a time. And then I would go back and I would add 500 more words. And I would add 500 more words. And I would just keep adding until I had like a coherent chapter, you know. Um, It was definitely relearning how to enjoy writing. Because I think once you do it for a career, like at at a job, it, it becomes help. Like, you just hate writing. And now I love it again. I absolutely, like, I feel like I've gone back to my teenage self who used to love to write and do cool different things and, and have fun and try stuff. And I've gotten back to her a bit, which has been a lot more fun for me than, like, 
let me write about a designer and the bag you need to buy, you know? Like, yeah, we, we definitely have to like steal that idea of the 500 words. Seriously, just do a little bit. It just takes a little bit. And even if it's 300 words, right? Get it done. The, the, the good side of working online for me was also that I can do it pretty quickly, you know, because I would have 20 minutes to get a story in. So I will bang out my 500 words um, in 20 minutes and I'm done, you know, for, for that day or, or whoever. So, but you just, I think the hardest part for anybody is actually doing it. Sitting down, shutting off that voice in your head that's saying, you can't do this. Yeah. Yeah. You're not a good writer. You don't know what you're doing. Shut, shut that voice up. You don't need that voice. That voice does not help you. Kill that voice. All right. And just sit down and do it. Because it doesn't matter. And your first draft will be the worst thing you've ever written. And that's fine. <laughs> it's supposed to be. Um, and then you can always you fix it later, you know, but just get the idea on paper, you know, get it, get it down, figure out your plot, and then you can make it better. We'll have to do that. Yeah, no, I was gonna say I'm like really interested in the process just with like the murder mystery. So how do you balance providing enough information for the readers to piece together the mystery, but also maintaining like that suspense and what's going to happen? Honestly, I have no idea. I have no idea how I how I did it in this one. I because every time I'm writing them, I think, oh, this is so obvious. Oh God, they're all going to guess this, you know. And I think you just have to do the best with the story, and not worry so much about, oh, am I going to? Is the audience going to be tricked enough? You know, just what is going to make the story as good as possible. And and whether you know you want to add a red herring or not, that's cool. But that shouldn't be the focus. The focus should be plot itself yeah no i thought it was perfect what i thought was perfect about yours yeah. was that i thought everybody was uh oh, yeah. <laughs> was was you know the suspect that's the thing and that's why i said it in new york too because i wanted her to have that sense of danger with people around at all times you know like out here there's no people so i was like she's fine there's nobody trying to kill her out here um so i wanted it to be like okay you're in new york and there's all this crowd and you know someone in this crowd wants to be dead what do you do you know, and it's like you, you panic and you run, but you know, so that's that's kind of why I wanted it there. But also, it's like our friends are always around, and each friend is like questionable. You know, each like like there's a moment when Zabir becomes really questionable, and you're like, oh no, you know, and then you're like, okay, okay, let's go back. Liz is great. Oh wait, is she? And then like Kendra, you know, so there, and then so I, I just wanted everyone to be just under suspicion let's say all i kept thinking to myself like i was doing the same thing kind of like wanting to like hop through the pages you're in danger do not go to this cabin do not go to this place like please she made every mistake in a horror movie you could possibly ever make you know because i joke that i use i am now that person when there's like a scary noise in the middle of the night i actually get up and investigate it now and i'm like i'm gonna die in a horror movie like i i know and then i can't help it i have to get up and look to see what that noise is um and so I was like, let's let's make her do the same thing, I guess. God bless Dunya. <laughs> Poor Dunya. Well, and I also thought the other twist that was really fascinating to me was the letters. Yeah. That they ended up being mm. t- to herself. That was really cool. I didn't Who's see that coming. Yeah. Like, I was trying to figure out who the letters were coming from yeah. as I'm going. I'm like, I... The, the sleepwalking thing is, is, is weird. It is a weird... It's it's like okay so when I first saw Paranormal Activity the first movie and like the woman is standing next to the bed while asleep, I freaked out because that was me like I do that you know so I was just like 
So I was like, let me see if you're sleepwalking and you're not in control of your actions. Isn't that close to possession if there's a spirit around? So I was kind of just playing with all of that, you know, because it is such a bizarre phenomenon to sleepwalk. And I've talked with other sleepwalkers who are like, yes, it's weird. And I'm like, I know, like we are walking weirdos. I also will say I did love at the end um, when she kind of is really does rely on Zabir and is like, you know, trusts him completely to be able to help find like and the the reason and the source so that they can stop Baba. But I also do love that yeah. at the end she says, but I also believe in myself. Yeah. And I thought that was a really important note in this book. She grew a spine finally. I always write these really spineless kind of characters except my first book where she's just literally a serial killer and that's not a spoiler you know that in the first chapter um <laughs> ronnie and kismet was also really beat down um because you kind of i wanted i like these characters to be sort of like when i first moved to new york 1995 from texas completely out of my depth right you know i i show up and there's all these cool people hanging and i'm like I have no idea what I'm doing and I'm just going to fake it and pretend I have any idea what these people are talking about. And that was basically how I got through everything, including, I think, my fashion career. I was just like, I'm just going to pretend I know what I'm doing and we're all black and hopefully nobody notices, you know, and cross your fingers. So I just kind of wanted them to have that same insecurity that I have, you know, because I feel like it is normal to feel like out of place and, you know, wanting to find your people and putting yourself out there which is a very terrifying experience you know finding new friends dating it's all very terrifying um so that was really why i i make these characters kind of not not beat down but not necessarily the most courageous characters in the world well yeah and you saw the character development throughout for sure well yeah and i was gonna say uh i had a lot of respect and i felt like i don't know about you but i felt like i was kind of getting somewhat a motivational talk from the yes. instructor at the self-defense class there was there used to be this really great women's self-defense class at this jujitsu place on bond street and i don't know what happened to them they would do it once a month for free and it was amazing and i would take it i went a couple of times because i was like mm -hmm, no one's gonna come get me like i'm ready for you guys right because i'm i'm very paranoid i'm also like five feet tall so <laughs> I would be able to you know, defend myself. Um, so I was kind of like we're trying to remember what they had said and the things to do and and you know, just to make as much noise as humanly possible and make a scene. So I was like and because at the beginning she doesn't want to make a scene, you know, she doesn't want anyone's attention, even though she has to or she's trying to, you know, be she's getting pushed in front of a train. Um it's kind of like, you know, it's okay to make noise. It's okay to take up space. It's okay to, you know, shout and fight for your life. Well, and I just know that from some of the shows, too, um, that Mindy has produced in the past, she talks about that. And, like, even I think, like, Porna had talked about it in an interview of, like, you know. Yeah. Well, for us, a lot of it was my parents, you know, would, and, and I, I use them as the example because I don't want to speak for every Pakistani American person because we're all, you know, we all aren't the same. Um. But there was a lot of don't rock the boat. Keep your head down. Don't rock the boat. Don't get attention. Just yeah. get in, do your work, come home. You know, and it was like, but what if I want to rock the boat? What if the boat needs to be rocked? Let's just be real. And I I came out of the womb basically yeah. like ready to rock everything. I was just like, they, my dad told me the stories of when I was like three or four. And I would literally just curse out people at the grocery store who I thought were rude. <laughs> And my dad's like, this 
child is gonna get her butt kicked. Like I think what there you go. But you know, I've always been that way. And I always just like mm, this doesn't change. So, <laughs> so I really want to include like, let's keep your head down. Don't don't make a scene. Don't get attention, you know. Because if you get attention, you get the evil eye. If you get the evil eye, bad things happen to you. And that's like this concept that I've also tried to like distance myself from where it's like every time something good happens to you you get the evil eye you know and then something horrible is about to happen next and which is such a horrible thing to, to feel like every time you have an accomplishment you're waiting for the other shooter drop you know it's like oh i hated that i hate that so i'm trying to like work that out of my brain i feel like that's been instilled though in women for a very long time too because i feel like whenever you watch like the mm -hmm. disney princesses there's always the damsel in distress and something bad has to happen before something good and i always hated that when i was little hated it hated it i'm like if something bad does happen i'll fix it myself thanks we're good thanks disney mm -hmm. not that i wouldn't like disney to, to option something love you guys <laughs> yeah so did you have any experience with uh, Ouija boards at all yourself? No, my dad really wants one. Guys, like, I have this argument with him. He's 91. He wants a Ouija board. And I'm like, that's fine. But what happens if you died? I'm stuck with whatever you have here. You know, like, I, no, I, I, I just think that because we live right by Sedona, right, which is a very woo-woo place. And I just kind of feel like, you know, there's like energy vortexes and this and that. So I'm kind of like, maybe this is not the right place to have a Ouija board because I just feel like this whole area is haunted and stuff. You know, I don't know. So we have this argument regularly because he's like, I just want to try it. I mean, maybe on his next birthday, I'll get him one, but I don't know. I'm. I feel like let's not poke the bear. You know what I mean? I was just going to wrap up by saying like, yeah, I thought it was a great section of the book just because I was, I felt myself reading. And when they got to the B, I was like, Baba. <laughs> <laughs> Baba. I love my Baba. Oh, <laughs> terrified me as a child, but I love him. Well, and I was just going to say, I'm curious because like, I feel like each of your books has had like the overarching theme of like, you know, the fashion and then you had the wellness and this one was more so talking about gin. Is, is there like, I know you said you're working on your fourth book. Is, is there a theme that you can share with us so far? Weddings. Oh, the oh. nasty obsession with weddings. I love um, that. <laughs> yes. And right. I, I really just started it. Um, I've had long COVID, so I've been really, really slow at writing right now. Oh, but so um, we're getting there. It's we're masks, is all I can say. Um, I it, so far it takes place present day, and the main character is going to be like mid forties, which is you know weird in its own way because they're never that age. And it's also going to take place in the nineties, which she's like a goth oh. teenager, you know. And so I and I just there's going to be somebody killing off the eligible men um and so she has to figure out what but it refer but there's also somebody who had done that to the women in the 90s and the press had chalked it up to honor killings because that was the 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 key term back then that people were obsessed with it was honor killings and you're like that's not what happened in this but okay so she's trying to figure out she she goes back to goes back home to help solve this but you have to figure out who's who's doing the murdering interesting i'm so, excited yeah. like <laughs> and i don't think there'll be any supernatural in this but i think um we'll see we'll see I, you know it's sort of like i only put it in if it fits like in kismet i have talking ravens because the animal life is so prevalent here and um 
such I like it it's a it's otherworldly out here you know like the animals are a character to me in in, in out here um but I don't always put supernatural stuff in because if it doesn't work for the story then you know why why use it but we'll see we'll see what I what I cook up and I want to have like different women's point of view where of marriage and it you know have like the white character who marries a desi and like dealing with the mother-in-laws and all of that. Oh, I'm looking forward to it. I always love a wedding because oh, there's yeah. always so much drama, you know? So much drama, so much drama. And I was going to say, I feel like, I know we're still like getting into that. We're like exploring so many stories in the world, but I would love still to see like uh, a black Deshi story just because I feel like I would yeah. love to see like the two cultures and that. Like, I feel like there's so many similarities that we don't see yeah. at the same time. Be, like, so there much are, there are. But you know, it's so interesting um you know I, I forgot when i was talking about this but there was there's a, such a well we were growing up and we would go to mosques they would really segregate the black muslims from everybody else and i never got it i was like but why can't they they, they have cool clothes on <laughs> like why can't we go hang out with them their kids are having fun what's going on and it, it was you're very separate you know at the time and it was just like it blew my mind as a child because i was like that doesn't make any sense to me um i think the colorism would come and play a lot there uh because you know like my sister's husband is mexican um and i definitely have relatives who are not into having children who are only half fancy around you know and you're and it, to me it's like i love him i think he, he's like my brother i love he's awesome so i'm just like so you see it and, it, and i feel like in in niche i don't mean like niche but like not in, in immigrant cultures when you're mixing, it can bring out the dark side in a lot of people in a bad way. And we've seen it in, you know, in, in real life. And it would be an interesting uh, thing to touch. I don't know if I would do it correctly. That would be my concern. Or maybe I would run and write it with somebody. Because even writing Kendra, I was like, I don't, I don't want to screw it up. I don't want to screw her up. Um, I don't worry too much about the white people being screwed up because they're going to be screwed up. You're white. I'm sorry. <laughs> but I, I wanted to like not have like the black character be some horrible person. I wanted her to, but also not all put on a pedestal. So I don't know. You would have to find, I think, the right balance and the right authors for that. Um, I definitely think that would be a really fun story. Yeah. I mean, they, they did do a similar story on four weddings and a funeral like the remake that mindy kind of or not a remake but a reimagining that mindy had done and um i loved the one wedding that was pakistani and like a muslim wedding it was beautiful that was sal perez uh, designed all those beautiful clothing except they're dry clothes. weddings and there's no alcohol at all yes. <laughs> and they last for days days do, yes <laughs> And all you hear is, why aren't you married yet? And you're like, oh my God. <laughs> yeah. I think at like one of my cousin's weddings, my brother found the bar in the hotel and we were just like hiding out and doing shots because we couldn't, <laughs> we couldn't handle it. We were like, this is way, it's over. Like, we've never been very social. I always say we're bad dissies. Like, we're just, you know, we lived in weird places. We were almost always the only ones around, you know. So we've never been very social at these events. And it's just like, oh. God, you have to act a certain way. It's it's very, it feels very almost Jane Austen-ish in like how you have to appear and you're, you know, and how you must present yourself. And it's very, all these rules. Whereas I'm like, I can't do that. <laughs> so. Yeah. I mean, I feel like we saw it a little bit with like Auntie um, Asha. Like, or, or Asha. Yeah, like, like, you know. In Kismet, it's a lot worse. But um, yeah. 
if you if you feel the need to read about talking ravens on wellness and death by crystal there you go absolutely i mean like i said we had so much fun reading this book i think we're definitely going to dive into your other stories even oh, when i was reading like your reviews we were like excited <laughs> oh yay <laughs> So we are like uh, Mindy uh, centered around here. So do you have any like favorite shows of hers or that she's been in or oh, produced? Or written? I really, really like, um, oh my God, what's it called? The teen show with, with you know, the Indian girl never, and her ever. mom. Never ever, thank never, you. Never, ever, yeah. I was watching it, but also watching it was almost painful because it was like cringing at myself as a teen, you know, <laughs> and like just watching it be like, oh yeah oh honey no oh oh i've done that i've done that you know and it is it's amazing to me because growing up there were no this scenes on tv or anywhere like even in movies they had white people in brown face you know like in short circuit like the guy was literally in brown face and every time we would see one anyone on tv we would yell desi and point and we still do that out of habit but now it's all the time, you know, but it, 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 the fact that she has gotten this show on, on air and to be such a popular show is incredible to me. Like it absolutely is because I never thought that I would see people like me on there. And like I, my niece and nephews can see people like them on, you know, on, on screen now. And it's, it's, I think, an incredible feeling because otherwise you kind of grow up without feeling like you belong here because you don't see yourself reflected anywhere. So what she's done, I think, for the culture has been incredible. I also just love that she's, you know, reached these heights, but she's still putting a hand out and opening doors for people like me. And I don't know a lot of Hollywood stars who are doing that. You know, that is incredible. Like that to me is just a really good use of your fame, of your power. Um, and I respect her immensely for that she does this. I also wanted to ask you, too, because you did have the fashion world um, of things. I did. Did you have a favorite Mindy look that she's done that you can think of? <laughs> God, there have been so many. She has the I best. Know. I don't. I just want to hang out in her closet. Like, mm-hmm. I, I don't know if I want to hang out and have a conversation with her and be like, what's up? I just want to go into the closet. I want to go in there and I want to see all the clothes because what she's been wearing to award shows did, um, like that one where she had two different dresses, same same dress, different colors. Yes, I, I love like, that. That's amazing, and she's getting more daring in 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 the clothes and brighter clothes. I love it. I think that I think as you get older, you get more comfortable in your looks and everything else. Because you know, I'm in my forties and I like wear whatever I want. I think that the same has happened with her because you can see that she's taking more risks, and I just she does it so well. It's incredible. And then I also just wanted to ask too. So we ask this of everyone because we always are curious. Have you okay. seen the Sex Lives of College Girls by any chance? I have not because okay. for the longest time I couldn't stream. Okay. <laughs> I had satellite Wi-Fi, guys. I couldn't. I couldn't even YouTube. Okay, so so anytime oh. you feel like you want to run off to the middle of nowhere, a forest, and be away from people, just keep in mind your Wi-Fi will suck. And yes. I mean, like, can't even do a yoga video. It's oh, no. like that. So there's a lot of shows I I watch. Never have I ever at my sister's house in, in Fort Worth. I was like, I need to binge it. Hurry up, yes. let me watch everything, because I I literally and even now it's like it's not gonna play all the way through. <laughs> I have to yeah. pause it, wait a bit, 
reboot everything. It is a very irritating experience for me. Um, I miss the city just for that. I won't lie. That, yeah. Like, I want to go see Monkey Man, right? When it comes out, the new Dev Patel, Jordan Peele movie. Yes. We don't have a theater here. There is no movie theater. I am going to have to wait for it to come out. <laughs> And then, like, have to pause it and reboot everything because I live in the middle of nowhere. So, oh my goodness. Yeah, I'm All right, well, we're, we'll pivot the question then because we know you've seen Never Have I Ever. Are there any characters yeah. that you, like, feel like you would be relate to most or um, see yourself a lot? Oh, the main in? character. I was, I was that main character. I was embarrassed of my parents. Um, you know, because we really were like the, to, in this, like the 60s was when they opened up the visas for Pakistanis and Indians to come into the U.S. And <laughs> we were some of the first Indian and Pakistani kids anyone had ever seen. And we would like our teachers were like, do you speak English? And I'm like, I was born here. Yes. What? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it, it, we, it, it was really a bizarre experience because we were very much this other group. But at the same time, my, my mom really wanted us to be as Americanized as possible, to assimilate so that we would fit in. And I think there's, there's always a battle between are you assimilating too much? Are you being too American? Are you doing too American? Or are you being this? And I think that the main character of Never Have I Ever, ever is, you know, has that. You know, she wants to date, she wants these boyfriends, and her mom wants her to do all these other things and make sure she's in touch with her culture and this. And it is a conflict that I think every busy person has had to deal with who's grown up here. Uh, so I definitely watching it, I was just like, just cringing just because my inner child was there. <laughs> you know? She was like reliving it. And I was like, oh, except that unlike her, I went, the weird direction and went all goth and shaved my head because it was the 90s, you know, but whatever. <laughs> um, and one last thing I just wanted to point out about the book, too, because like I said, we really, truly loved it. And it was so well written. Oh, and um, I love the character. development. Yeah. And I I thought the story with like um, with her dad dying was just so heartbreaking. And like for her to feel that yeah. guilt, that like she was the one who was responsible was just so sad to me. Yeah. Because he was her, her everything. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So I thought I just wanted to say to it like that was very heartbreaking, but Thank I thought you. it was, you know, a very well done story too. You know, it, it's funny. I never feel like I put enough emotion in my books because I am one of those completely insensitive weirdos. <laughs> just, it's like, oh shoot, I need to have emotions, right? Remember that. And so I find that sometimes I don't put enough in, in my writing, and it's like, and so I never know. I never know if I've hit the right nail on the head or not. So it's always like. Maybe I got it right. Maybe it didn't work in progress. But I want to say whenever I needed that little ray of light, I can't remember the neighbor's name. Carol. But I felt like she was the only oh, person. I was like, yes. hopefully nothing Carol, is going to Carol, Carol because she is the only good one out of everybody. Hopefully Carol is not involved. Carol actually was my neighbor. No, Carol was actually my neighbor. And she was a good friend of my parents. And she's, I still talk to her and her daughter. And like, yeah. So I was like, I, Carol, I put you in the box because I needed a nice neighbor lady. And that's who I thought of in my head. Well, and it was also really pretty. Like, I, there was this one point um, where she talks about her mom with such admiration, too, because she's like, you know, she realizes that she was young when she had them. They still went out to parties and things. And she got dressed up and loved to host events. And I thought that was really fun, too, just to see, like, this other side of her mom, because we, you know, we see yeah. that, she, you know, doesn't have this great relationship, but like, she also still admires her so much like this battle. Oh, for sure. For sure. I think, 
from on a personal level for me is always like my mom loved unlike my me and my dad who who liked being out in the middle of nowhere she liked being social she liked going to all these disney events she liked having all the new clothes on and she would drag her terrible daughters with her <laughs> we were trying to be like hi here i'm gonna go sit in the corner you know so it's always sort of like how I, I wanted to like like that's who i had in my head obviously with my mom um but also it's like you know dunia really it's, it's mothers and daughters are complicated in whatever culture you're in you know that relationship is always gonna be very complicated and i think there just comes a point when you realize your parents are humans and they're doing the best they can and they're doing the best they can within their circumstances and that's sort of where it, eventually gets to and i just thought it was funny too that um the one line where it was like she didn't teach um like her daughter's punjabi because that was just for the adults like she didn't want to have that later yeah. my mother to this day she never does punjabi all right that's because all the dirty jokes <laughs> were in punjabi and so i cannot speak it and it's really annoying because i am punjabi and i should know it and i'm like uh, just, i can speak urdu that's all i got i'm sorry tell your dirty jokes in urdu please yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> but i love that i thought that was so funny thank you so much i mean we really had such well, a blast for reading it. it i appreciate anyone who reads my books i've always just like you read something I wrote? That's crazy. Yeah. Um, I, no, literally every time somebody emails me, I reply back and they're like, you're replying. I'm like, yeah, I'm excited yeah. you read my book. What's up, girl? I'll, 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 I'll write back. Um, like, I had somebody write me, they, like, they missed a plot point. And they were like, I got confused in the book. And I'm like, hold up. Let me help you out. <laughs> I didn't like walk her back. And she was like, okay, thank you. And like, I actually, I love finding out that people are reading my book. It's just like, I never thought this would happen. I never thought it was possible, you know? So to hit a point where people are reading it is just, it's amazing to me. No, we have lo- we really did. We loved yeah. it so much. And, um, you know, we feel so honored that we've had the opportunity to like interview all of the authors from Mindy's imprint, you know, yeah. it's such a way for us. And they've been great <laughs> authors. I'm actually doing a, um, a library event with Sonali Dev um, coming up, so that's going to be really exciting. Oh, that's going to be awesome! Oh, yes, right. Sonali's wonderful. Yeah, it's going to be virtual because it's going to be oh. a Massachusetts library, um, and I am out in the middle of nowhere again. So, <laughs> the nearest bookstore, I swear to God, is a hundred miles away. So I'm really, yeah, it's been a. I know, I know, I know. It's painful. It's painful. We just want to say thank you again to Amina for taking the time to speak with us. Hopefully I said her name correctly. I would hate to end up murdering her next book. But please don't walk, run, get her book, Almost Surely Dead. See you guys next time.